I want to talk about a contradiction in terms. I want to talk about what God needs. Now, the definition of God is all-sufficient in himself, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. So there's nothing that God needs or he wouldn't be God. Amen? But that's not so. God has chosen in his sovereignty to create a situation where he's in need of something. If you don't believe that, just watch the text here and let's see what we can gather from it this morning. Lord, help me as I speak this morning. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, few. Big harvest, wheat fields, abounding, spiritually speaking. But someone's got to go out and work them, bring in the harvest. That's few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. This passage is filled with weird things that make our mind a little bit staggered. We're not expecting, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus is preaching and teaching, and he's traveling, and it's indicated here by Matthew, who was one of the original 12, that as he was traveling, crowds gathered around him and traveled with him, so that everywhere he went, there was a minor commotion. And while he was teaching and preaching and praying for the sick, healing them, the Bible says he saw the crowds, but he didn't see them like you see them and I see them. He saw the people, and he saw through them, into them, and it made him, as it were, pause inside. And what he saw caused him to have compassion. That word means pity. So he saw people, he saw crowds, And it drew compassion and pity out of him. Now, mind you, he knows he's going to end up on a cross somewhere between heaven and earth. He knew he was facing the cross. He knew people hated him. He knew the religious leaders were plotting his death. But he's not occupied with himself. He sees the crowds. And because he's God, he's love because God is love. And love looks through the surface and sees into the heart of the matter. And he is drawn out into this pity and compassion. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. So that word harassed there means troubled, torn, mangled, is some of the actual other translations of that phrase. He saw people who were upright, some making 500,000 a year, some making 50,000, some making 5,000, some in a shelter, whatever. He saw that inside they were harassed and torn and mangled. What's that other word I can't think of now that uh, that word can be translated? I wrote it down here. Yes, they were torn and mangled, yes, and down. All kinds of people wounded by life. They were wounded. They looked good. On the outside, we all put on. But he saw through it and saw that inside they were hurt, attacked by Satan, mangled by Satan's devices, 
pretending that all was fine because that's the way the whole world is. It's all a lie. It's fake news. The whole world. Billionaires. We, we learn millionaires. They take their lives. They abuse their own children. They abuse them, their own selves. Why would they do that if they have everything? Because with everything, they have nothing. They're torn. They're mangled inside. They have scar tissue from their own sins. Now, you might say, well, the law of sowing and reaping. You know why they're mangled? You know why they're torn? Because they lived a certain way. And that's what, but God doesn't look, Jesus didn't look at, oh, they deserve it. That's the way we look because we're self-righteous. But he was full of compassion and love. And then when you see a child struggling, even though the child brought that suffering on themselves, you don't go to your child that you love. See, you got what you deserve. Who does that? No, you weep over your children. Correct? Jesus saw that, that they were torn, mangled, and this drew compassion out of him. Even though they brought it on themselves. Otherwise, some of them must have been hurt by what other people did to them. There's people here in this building, and you're carrying on, but you bear scar tissue of what, what someone did to you, and it's, it's hindering you, it's locked you in, and you can't get free inside. In other words, he saw that no matter what the exterior is, these people were hurting. But more than that, they were helpless. That word in the Greek means thrown down to the ground. They were beat down, but looking good, acting like everything's fine. But he saw through that because he loved them and saw, man, these people are torn, mangled, and they're dejected, depressed inside. You know, you can, you can be, quote, successful, even in Christian circles, pastors, uh, gospel singers, uh, um, business people, making so much money, intellectuals, p- teaching professors in universities, reaching where you were aiming at. And when you get there, you find out nothing's there. I reached it to find out it ain't that. It ain't all that. And now you're empty, you're thrown down, you're dejected, but you can't stop living, you don't want to commit suicide, so you keep on keeping on. But you're just going through the motions. There's no, there's no joy. No, God made us to enjoy him and to have joy, and here he saw them just harassed and, and like, like sheep without a shepherd. Here not only were they beat down, but they had nobody to help them. They were like in a pit, but they couldn't get out. You know, when, when an animal falls in a pit, that's it. It's over. They're helpless. They can't crawl out. They need someone to help them out. Same thing with a human. You fall down an empty well, you can't get out. It's slippery and slimy. You want to get out, but you can't get out. And there's no one to help you. There's no shepherd to care for you. You can't trust anyone. How many people live with not trusting anybody? They're totally alone in life. I counsel people all the time now, even supposed Christians who are married, and they keep separate bank accounts from their spouse. And I go, what's up with that? I thought the two shall become one. Oh, no, I keep my own account. That's his money. I have my money. Well, then why not? What'd you get married for? I'm not getting a witness, but that's okay. I, I know I hit, I hit the bullseye, didn't I, on some of you? No, that's his money. Listen, my wife has no money, and I have no money. We have money together. Do I get an amen? She can't spend her money. It's our money. Same with me. But out in the world, what do you think prenups are about? Prenuptials. Because they're getting married at the altar. I love you, but I don't trust you. And I want to make sure you don't take me to the cleaners. 
Am I correct or not? That's billionaires. That's everyone. In other words, it's all fake. It's all empty. But here's the thing about the people. They didn't even know their condition. Jesus saw through it. He sees through you. You're acting like, no, everything's fine. It's not. You know it when you're all alone. But Jesus saw through that in love, not to judge them. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. So he sees this human condition, and it draws pity and compassion about him. Now think of today. It doesn't matter the race, conservative, liberal, West Indian, Latino, white, black. That is all so irrelevant. That is irrelevant. God has no identity politics. He sees everybody the same. He loves everyone. Come on, can we clap our hands? He loves everybody the same. There's no special race. There's no special country. Stop that. The Lord looks at people and he sees through you and me and he sees our real need. And it drew pity and compassion. He saw marriages teetering even though nobody told. He could see everything. He sees everything with you and me. So it doesn't matter economic status. You can be wealthy and be poor. And you can be poor but spiritually wealthy. He sees, that's how he sees things. Because at the end of life, as the Bible tells us, naked you came into the world and naked you're going to leave it. You're not taking a dime. So how rich really are you? So what do you have? Oh, I got a lot put away for retirement. I'm not talking about retirement. I'm talking about death. What'd you put away for death? The Bible tells us that he sees them like sheep without a shepherd. Now, you would think he's Jesus, he's God. Just wave a magic wand and make it all go away. Didn't we just hear God can do anything? This is the, this is the difficult part to understand. Can't God do anything? If you love people and you see them and they're like that with sheep without a shepherd and they're mangled and th- thrown down and all that, just say one word. You're God. You created the earth. You just spoke it. So just speak and they're all good. It's not the way God's chosen to run the universe morally and in terms of salvation. So he looks at them and then he says, said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So he uses an agricultural metaphor, and he sees the people, listen, watch, he sees the people as as a harvest. He sees wheat fields, but the wheat are people, and people are the wheat. And he sees the potential. They can be changed. He sees harvest as bringing them the message of his love, and salvation. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation, a new heart, new circumstances, new mind, new outlook on life, peace instead of depression, joy instead of being thrown down. He sees the potential for that. Oh, the fields are ripe under harvest. Look at all these people that my father could change. Look at them. Go to 34th Street in the city. Go to, uh, someone took us, uh, my wife and I and, and, and Nina and Amy to uh, a lunch radio, uh, near Radio City Musical at a great Greek restaurant. And uh, our travel agent did. And it was a delightful meal. And then you walk outside and there's that rhythm of the city. How many know there's, there's some energy in Manhattan, right? <laughs> you ever feel it? Especially now, between now and then, 
after January 3rd, forget it, don't go anyplace because it's all, we're all freezing cold. But there's that pre-Thanksgiving into Christmas feel. Look at all those people. Where are they going? When they're alone at night, what are they thinking about? I know one thing, they're scared to death of dying because they got big question marks if they're not Christians. Oh, they've been conned by the culture. There ain't no God. It doesn't matter. That's all a joke. You're not going to believe that simplistic stuff. And yet their conscience tells them, you could be in big trouble when you die. And your money won't buy you out of it and your talent and your sports ability or anything else. What are you going to do? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Come home. So, instead of waving a magic wand, he says, look, the fields are ripe, but see what the problem is? The workers are few. No, Jesus, you go and do it. No, I'm not doing that by myself. My people are going to be my co-laborers, and I can't raise up enough workers. Look, the fields are acres and acres, and there's so few workers, not too few churchgoers. No, no, no. He never said that once. Not too few people that go to church on Sunday. No. Not too few people who, when they're in trouble, go, oh, God, help me, have mercy. Not too few worshipers. He didn't say there's too few people on Sundays in church worship. He did not say that. He said, you know what the shortage is that's hindering the whole extension of God's kingdom? There's too few workers. Big fields, very few workers. That's not true today? Oh, come on. In America, the main thing in Mississippi or in New York or any place you go is, hey, hey, Pastor, hey, I go to church on Sunday. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I'm right. That's the big thing for most people. I go to church. Go to church? Well, of course we go to church. We can be encouraged. We can learn more. But that's not what Jesus said. I, the, you know, the churchgoers are, no, it's the workers. You know what workers do? There you go. What a revelation. They work. They apply energy and time. They talk. They pray. They do a James Powell. They work with teens. They spend time. They counsel. They listen. They weep. They make sacrifices of time and energy. It's not about them any longer like Jesus. Talk about ready to work. He was ready to give his life for those people. He's on the way to the cross, and we're talking about going to church. I want to challenge you. I'm challenging myself today. God's been dealing like three weeks with this passage with me. The workers are few. You know, in Argentina, where I'm going later on, they have this word in Spanish, obreros. Workers, they call in the circles that I first was around in Argentina, they call people workers, not so much pastors. Everyone was a worker. Obreros. They work. They visit. They go to a hospital. It's not about them. They're not a victim. How can you be a victim if you're a worker? There are some Christians, they're 20 years going to church and they're still a victim and they need prayer. We'll pray for you, but when are you going to graduate to worker? Not seminary graduate, not PhD in theology, worker, just worker. That's why Jesus chose fishermen and tax collectors. They could be workers, workers. Did you ever work for the Lord? 
Well, you say, no, that's not uh, really what I was brought up around. I was brought born a Baptist, going to die a Baptist. I go to BT or whatever denomination. What a sick system we've developed in America and around the world to Christianity. How has that held back the kingdom? People are content to go to church, and Jesus is looking for work. No, not looking for. He needs them. He just said that. The fields are ripe. I, 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 where, where are the workers? Uh, my friend wrote that song years ago. He heard it through a prophetic utterance in a service. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems like all the children want to stay around the father's table, but no one wants to work in the field. That was a word they felt God spoke to a certain gathering years ago. Notice, my house is full. Oh, the house is full today. A lot of people, praise God. And we can worship and learn more. But my fields are empty. You know, out there where the people are who need Jesus, didn't someone reach for you? Didn't someone ever pray for you? Weren't you ever loved by anyone? I'm asking for an amen here. Anybody ever get helped by someone? Left your hand if someone ever helped you with Jesus. Well, who are you going to help now? Oh, oh, you just receive. We don't give. We don't work. So in the culture we live in America, which is so narcissistic and self-centered and with Freudian the, uh, psychology invading Christian counseling and the pulpit. Everyone is a victim. So you play to that, oh, you poor thing. God knows what you're going through. I got that, and we're for that, and we'll pray. But is that Christianity? Is that what Jesus said? My fields are, f- they're plentiful. It's the workers, time, energy. Some of you, I wouldn't even want to hear your answer in, 19, in, in 2023, what work you did for the Lord. Not worship, that's a privilege. Not come here and be talked to and sung to, but work. See somebody and don't see them like they're different. Oh, they're a different color. Oh, I don't like them. I don't like that. Look at the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Not that. That we have plenty of. But someone who wants to get down and dirty and say, I got to help. I want to work. Can I tell you about Jesus? You know, that's why Pastor Brian held up those uh, tickets. I'm so happy. They're, they're not tickets. They're invitations. I'm in Brooklyn, so remember, you don't sell those. Uh, you hand those out. So I was in Macy's yesterday, and I met four different people while I was going around trying to find something for my wife. And I invited them all, but I couldn't stop and talk to them and lead, try to explain Christianity to them. They were working. They were on the job. Sometimes you meet someone in a diner or anyway. You can't witness to them. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can call them. You can invite them over. You have lunch with them. You can talk. But a lot of other people were running through. They're the fields that are ripe unto harvest. So what you can do is invite them to the Christmas show. And I had a hard time because I didn't have that to tell them, all right, the 15th, Friday, 7.30, Saturday, 2 o'clock, Sunday, 12 and 3. Uh, please come. So we could use those. You have to work. I know, but somebody will say, I don't want to go. Okay, we'll go to the next. You won't die if they say no. Just go to the next. Just talk, invite, pray, love. Can you get out of your life is what Jesus was saying here. Who can get out of the little circle of their little ego and their family and their culture and their island or their race? Who can escape that for just a moment and do some work for the Lord? Because when you work for the Lord, you have to be open to all people. 
Listen, I tell pastors everywhere I go, God is listening to me. If your church doesn't have the doors open to all people of all races, please take the cross down on top of your building. Wait, 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 wait. Because that's a, that's, that's a shame. It's a sham and it's sacrilegious. You only want white people. You only want black people in your culture. You only want Latinos. You're into your Korean thing. Let it go. Jesus loves everyone. Listen, if the doors of our church at Christmas and now aren't open to everyone, let's shut down the whole thing because we're not Christian. How many believe if we're Christian, we reach everyone, love everyone, be open to everyone, homeless, billionaire, whatever, they're all the same to God. He loves them. He has compassion on them. So let me close. What's strange here now is, okay, the harvest is ripe. The laborers are few. Please listen now. I know the next line's going to be, y'all, start a school. Start it in Jerusalem. Make it accredited. Three years. How to work in the fields. Get professors. Start a training session. Start a training session. And train people to work in the fields. He didn't say any of that. No, he didn't. Training has its place. Oh, come out on Saturday when we go out and uh, share with people and invite them. But he didn't say that. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And that word, to send out, actually means thrust them out. Come on. Get going. That's what it means. Pray that the Lord will do it, which tells us only the Lord can make a worker. Forget even the Lord can make a pastor. God has said in the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But all the people are called to work. Look at this verse. Again, Jesus said after his resurrection, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Look at that verse. He's saying to you, as the Father sent me and I came down and did my work to the point of death on the cross, even so, I'm sending you. You're a sent person. You're not a church member. You're not somebody to sit here on Sunday. You've been sent by Almighty God into the harvest field that he sees and weeps over. We're all sent. We're sent every day we wake up. There's someone to talk to, something to do. It doesn't matter if you're rejected, hated. Our our master was hated. What do you think they're going to applaud when you share Christ? Some will get saved and some will want to kill you. It doesn't matter. We're supposed to work. So send I you. When I think of how he was sent, no one applauded him for the most part. They hated him. And that's why a lot of us don't want to work because the culture intimidates us. We're afraid of being rejected and someone insulting us. So move on. Move on. When you get to heaven, it'll be all worth it. Well, when we see Jesus and he says, well done, my good and faithful. Oh, a church member, worshiper. No, 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 no. My good and faithful servant, worker who serves. We're sent. The proof of that is in Acts. Right after Stephen was killed, Martyred, a first martyr of the church. It says on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. The whole church got persecuted. But Jesus had warned them, it ain't going to be easy. So don't get all excited when people don't love you. They didn't exactly fall in love with me. In Jerusalem and all, what? 
all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now the Lord had told them, go into all the world, starting in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But for some reason, the experts wonder, why didn't the apostles move? Why didn't they go into the fields? They stayed in Jerusalem. But notice who was scattered, all the lay people, all the Christians. They were scattered. Why? Their persecution broke out. They're being hunted. They're being hunted. Okay? So then verse 4 tells us, but those who had been scattered, who were that? The everyday Christians. Everywhere they went, they preached. That word means proclaim, shared, not preaching like in, with a pulpit. They, every place they went, they proclaim the word wherever they went. The early church grew not because of the apostles' ministry, but because every Christian felt, I'm a worker. And everywhere I go, I'm going to open my mouth. And some will receive it, and some will turn away, and some will curse me. Whatever. I'm sharing the good news of Jesus. I'm going to go the extra mile. Now I have to, oh, that person came to the Lord. Now i got to help disciple them. I call them. Oh, I feel a, 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 a prompting. I'm going to text them with a verse. That's what workers do. Not thinking every day how my feeling, how my family is doing. It's you're working at something. You're on the fields. You're, you're bringing it in. Reaping the harvest. So, Jesus said, pray. Why? Because the Lord has to thrust people out. See this thing of seeing people the way he sees them? What do you think, Pastor Petri and myself, the other pastors? You think we could train you to look at people the way God sees them? No, of course not. We could tell you it's right, but only, only Jesus through the Holy Spirit can ever open your eyes to the way people really are. Am I correct or not? We've made Christianity so much a teaching religion that the supernatural has been taken out of it. But to see people the way Jesus sees them, oh, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Totally. To feel pity and compassion, what do you think, we can teach you pity? Of course, no preacher can teach you pity. But God can give you his heart. And you'll feel pity and compassion on people. And he'll remind you where you were one day. So I have one last verse for you. On September the 10th, 2001, I went to bed and I couldn't sleep. It ended up, I was up on that Monday night until maybe almost six in the morning. I walked around, went into where I was living then, into a little study. I prayed, I read the Bible, then I got exercised and I prayed more. Like, what is going on? I didn't take in caffeine. Nothing was keeping me up naturally, and I just was started praying and praying, only finally to doze off, and my daughter Susan, who led the worship, called me and said, Dad, did you see the TV? One of the towers has come down. And that night before, here's the verse that God gave me, a strange verse. Proverbs 10, verse 5. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. Again, agricultural metaphor. He who gathers crops in summer and works harvest time. It's summer. And the father says, come on, kids, let's go out because this is our only shot. We got to get the, cro the crops in. The prudent son who works hard proves himself, oh, he's honored by the father, he's loved. But the father has another son, and, and he sleeps. Hey, I'm tired. I was out late last night with the guys. You need rest. You know, you need relaxation. 
hey, you only go around once in life, and you got to smell the roses. I know, but your brother's out there killing himself in the fields. Hey, my brother has like a different personality than me. I'm the laid-back kind. Do you get it? So Martin Luther tells this story. The devil had a big meeting of all his archangels and demons, whatever. And one reports to him and says, Oh, Master Satan, I just want you to know that out in the desert, a whole bunch of Christians were traveling in a caravan, and I stirred up a bunch of animals, and they attacked the caravan and wiped them all out. They're all dead. And Satan said, So what does it matter? They're still Christians, and they did a lot of work and won people to the Lord. So the next one says, listen, there was a ship sailing with a lot of Christians on it. And I stirred up the ocean. I stirred up the waves. And the boat went down. I killed, I don't know how many Christians. He said, who cares? They're Christians. They're saved. And they, they were witnessing for the Lord all the time. A third demon came forward and said, oh, master, Lucifer, I spent 10 years It took me 10 years, but I put one Christian to sleep. I got them distracted, caught up with the things of this world, their money, their pleasure, their television, their whatever. I I got them totally asleep spiritually. And Satan said, bring out the food. Bring out the wine. We're going to celebrate all night long. A Christian is now asleep. That's all it takes is a Christian asleep. Not awake, not seeing things the way God sees them, not full of pity and compassion, judging people, judging people, caught up in the culture wars with their liberal stance and their conservative stance and their CNN and their Fox News. That's what they're wasting their life while people are dying and going to hell for eternity. I got one asleep and Satan said, "Whoop, yes, just put them asleep. It's not whether we love the Lord. The question is, are we awake Can we see? Can we feel? So I want to recruit. I promised the Lord I would recruit today. Not the prayer band, just. I wonder if there's some people in here who have been convicted by this like I have and say, Pastor, I get it. He saved me so that he could send me. As the Father has sent me, so send I You And everywhere they went, the Christians, they proclaimed the word of the gospel. And God was adding to the church daily those that were getting saved. You don't need a degree. You just need availability. Not ability, availability. You say, but I'm a fairly new Christian. God can take whatever you give him and multiply it and make you the greatest blessing you could imagine. Can we all say amen to that? Do you believe that? Clap your hands. Everyone bow your head. I I know we all need to pray. I know that. This sermon was for everyone, starting with the preacher. While your eyes are closed, I want to tell you the truth. I live and have always lived with a constant sense of failure. I walk with it every day of my life. I don't talk about it, but I always feel a failure. I thank God for you and every report from the youth. And, but when I see those apartment buildings and I see the people milling in the streets, I say, oh, God, 
I, I say, God, how can we reach them? I haven't, I'm not doing enough. There's so many still wandering, just lost, no shepherd, empty, mangled, torn, thrown down, dejected, and yet they're full of themselves and they want to argue with you. And this past couple of days, I've reconsecrated myself to the Lord. Lord, whatever time you give me, I want to make a difference. I want to be a worker. I don't want to be a famous pastor. I don't care if anyone knows my name. I don't want anything except to be a worker. I want to get some of that wheat into the barn. Anybody here with me, just say amen. Anybody here just feel like God is touching you and calling you to an activity that maybe you've had hidden in your heart for a while, but like God is saying to you today, you got to step out into what I called you to do. You are a worker, but you're not giving yourself to the gifts that I've given you. You get up out of your seat and you just come here to the front. Two of you are 200. Come from the balcony, come from downstairs. But Lord, I'm with the pastor. I'm reconsecrating my life to you. I don't want to be a churchgoer. I don't want American Christianity. I don't want warm, fuzzy moments. I want to be a worker. Obreros. God, raise up the workers. Just come to the front. Don't know exactly what you're called to, but you know you're called to do something way beyond what you're doing now. Step out. Don't be embarrassed. Step out by faith. This is for every one of us, but for some specially. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust. Thrust us, Lord. We get so settled in our ways. Thrust us. Explode under us, Lord. Not about us only, but about the people, Lord, that you love. Lord, we present ourselves. We have nothing. We are nothing. But we do belong to you. We're your children. In, the, in our natural, we are nothing. We have nothing. There's nothing I have, Lord, to do the job in the field. Nothing. Nada. But I can have you. Your grace, your power, your love. We're reporting for duty. Lord, we're reporting for duty this morning. Workers have a starting time. This is our starting time. We're reporting for duty. Give us orders. Direct us. Tell us when to be quiet, when to talk, who to talk to, what verse to speak, when to pray, how to pray, who to visit, who to text. Get our minds off of us and get it on them. The fields that you wept over. For you saw them, they were mangled, torn, cast down, dejected, empty inside. Pretending everything's great, but empty inside. And you wept. And you were moved with pity and compassion. But you said, there's so many of them, but the workers... Don't let it be said of us as a church, Lord, that we just circle the wagons and have good meetings, hopefully, and we sing good music. Oh, please, Lord, save us. Raise up workers, prayer band people, evangelists, people who just work and share and talk and text. 
who are full of discernment and wisdom from you. They just know what to do to catch the fish. Didn't you say in your word, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's what we want to do. We want to catch men. We don't want to catch a break and catch a a salary raise. We want to catch people for your honor and your glory so that your love is fulfilled. How? I don't have the faintest, Lord. But we put ourselves into your keeping today. The singers behind me, stir them. Stir them. The deacons, the pastors, the musicians, the people in the balcony, stir us, stir us. Do something, Lord. We're hungry. We want to be fed so we can go out and work. Let today be a signal day in our spiritual pilgrimage, Lord. And where we falter and get distracted, redirect us. But don't let us sleep. Please, Lord, do not let any of us sleep through life spiritually. Sleeping. A disgrace. It's harvest time and we're sleeping. People are dying and we're sleeping. We're talking about what program we like on TV. What movie we have to go see. Please, I plead with you, Lord. Do a fresh work. Feed us. Stir us. Put us on fire, Lord. Send the fuego. Send the fire, Lord. So that we can do things we've never even imagined. All for your glory. Lord, bless the ministry of the Welcome Center for first-timers below the basement. Bless the offering that people give as they leave. Help the people to take the tickets so that we can be alert and ready to invite, talk, pray, love. Lead us. Lead us. We're your workers, but you've got to give us our job assignment every day. Otherwise, how would we know what to do? We're not going to think up our job. You're going to give us our job every day. No pressure on us to figure out what to do. Got to work, work, work. No. You'll direct us every day, every hour, every minute, every human interaction. You'll show us what to say and do. We love you. Te amo mucho, Señor. Te amo mucho, Señor. Get everyone home safely. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, turn to somebody, men with men, ladies with ladies. Give them a hug. Come on, no handshakes. A hug.